Welcome to the Inspectations Podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird, CEO of the Abley Group. In business, one of the most difficult tasks a leader must do is find a way to inspect what they expect. Too often, great businesses fail or managers lose their way because they were operating based on expectations that they had not yet inspected. The Inspectations Podcast brings together business leaders from all industries to talk about best practices, innovation, leadership, and business development. You're listening to the Inspectations Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back to the Inspectations Podcast. My name is Justin Starbird. Here we work hard to inspect what we expect. One of the people that I've gotten to know over the last several years that does more inspecting um, and uh, creates expectations for companies than I've ever met, Mark Sponsor from Morningside Group. Mark, uh, good friend, man. Welcome to the show. And thanks for having me. Can't, we can't get away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, this is great. Um, it, it's kind of funny. So inspectations, the whole idea is that, you know, from a marketing side, you want to inspect what you expect, but you do it from, from a little bit of a, of a different angle um, coming at it from, you know, everything from auditing to being a CFO, but man, uh, you're getting ready to launch Morningside Group uh, actually has been launched, but going uh, out public here, here shortly. What is Morningside Group or what is the Morningside Group? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, Morningside Group is a financial and operational focused business consulting group. And, and when I say financial and operational, that really kind of equates to the kind of things I've been working on for my whole career uh, over the last you know 25 years. So we work with corporate entities, private equity, banks, on a whole lot of things, uh, mergers and acquisitions, divestiture support, recapitalizations, but then also performance improvement, crisis and change management, which is very broad, but uh, is basically just trying to help solve problems, turn things around. And then in certain cases, interim management, actually stepping in, taking the keys, and making change. Um, so, you know, our team of professionals and, and we use we have a select pool of independent contractors. We really kind of focus on not just re doing or retreading other consultants, but find people who have truly unique backgrounds. Generally speaking, some element in consulting, some element um, on the business side. So you have experience in both principal and agents uh, side of the houses. Because our, our thesis is that that creates a very kind of unique feel to the teams you get if you're a client and the experiences sure. they bring can kind of help you solve problems quicker. So that's kind of what we do or what we're going to be doing. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, and you've had a lot going on over the last years, but or last few years rather. But how did you, you know, get your start here? Yeah, so my background, I was a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then I was a partner at a firm called Alvarez and Marcel, and then <clears throat> kind of got tired of not tired. I wanted a shift in 2016, so started doing much more operationally focused work on my own, and that led me to the my partner in Morningside Group, uh, who is a guy named Hansir Janaid, which call him Janaid, that's what he goes by. And we had actually worked together and you had come in as well on that, that effort to take an extremely entrepreneurial company that was the, probably the fastest growing in the industry, but had a lot of things on the back office that you had and, and structure that had to be addressed. So collectively we worked together to address those things continue the growth of the company, address a lot of the structural issues and that ultimately led to us exiting the business at, you know, a very high multiple 
And uh, so that was kind of a thesis proof of of what we could do. And in in process of doing that, we also built our team up within that organization. And and many many of the few of those team members are actually coming on to Morningside. So that kind of was what gave us our start. Uh, At the end of the day, I think when we think of Morningside Group, there are the consulting worlds are busy world has a lot of players in it and yeah. you know the kind of our thinking when Janae and I talk about it is you know smaller more focused consulting groups again can comprise of professionals with kind of diverse background across the board both in experience and just bring something unique to the market um and that's not necessarily you don't really find that at the larger groups it's kind of hard to find that I'm certainly there's diverse experiences within, but it's really hard to get that consistent feel across the, uh, across the business. So that's, that's why we, we started. And it's not just about clients and, and, and certainly everything starts with them because that's why we do business, but it's also really trying to create an organization that where people like what they do, where they're energized by what they're doing and they like who they do it with. And, and that includes clients and professionals alike. And if we can accomplish that, I think we're gonna do a lot of good things. Oh man, that sounds absolutely spot on. I think one piece that, you know, I would dare add to that is that, you know, there's a lot of practical experience coming together under one roof with you as well. And uh, I think that bodes well and, in, in, you know, maybe speak to that as a differentiator versus some of the larger companies. Yeah, I, I think when you, Think about our team and some of the things we've done recently and in various roles. You know, at, with the consulting background, we can certainly analyze issues and provide summaries of that. And, and that's like your traditional consulting, your Bain McKinsey model. But I think we we really enjoy executing change, and that's kind of differential and, and having sat there in the seat before. So it's one thing, for example, I'll just throw something out there. One thing to analyze cash flows and figure out what's going wrong. It's another thing to go make the change to fix that. And, you know, and a recent thing where elements of my team were in an organization with me, you know, we, we, we made a turnaround of taking a company with a revolver that had broken through its minimum threshold, uh, was constantly butting up against kind of violating covenants to a point where we had basically a million on the revolver. Um, and it was just through, not only analyzing, diagnosing the product, but then actually stepping in and forcing change. And, and, and that's, you don't see a ton of that out there in the market. I mean, they're kind of most, most in the consulting world are, and, and there's certainly a need for it. Most of the consulting world are out there in the kind of diagnostic diagnosis and explain and, and less engaged on, Hey, let's, let's go and make the changes that can fix the problem. Sure. Well, that's where, it, you know, you, you line up really well, especially with with Janae's entrepreneurial spirit, where you roll your sleeves up and actually, you know, and one thing I've always appreciated about him is ability to just get stuff done. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Janae is interesting because he's founded a number of businesses and he currently holds, you know, kind of top level role, CEO, chairman, board member on a number of, number of privately held companies across a number of industries. And that also brings a unique experience to kind of the management of Morningside and the insights we can bring. And, hey, have you thought about this? So mm-hmm. it's, it's funny, as it stands, I sit on a board of another company startup in town and I regularly consult Janaid on 
commercial type of ideas, strategic type ideas, because he just has that experience. So between he, he and I, we've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. We're like a hundred <laughs> well, years in dog years. <laughs> well, so to that end, uh, you know, do you look for like specific traits in the, in the folks that you bring on uh, to your team? And, and because at the, you know, at the end of the day, if you are consulting and you're recommending that, you know, you go forward down a specific path and you need to put the players in place that actually can execute that because yeah. you're not the one that can do it all the time. No, that's exactly right. And that's why something that it's funny. I like doing client work. I think a lot is recruiting and training. And if you looked at now that there's a Belichick tree in the NFL, well, there's a sponsor tree out there in the consulting organizations I've been in. I'm very proud of that. You know, a number of people that I hired and or significantly trained are now partners in these organizations, which to me, it's like that shows the proof of, of the concept. So to get to your point, I'm a very hands-on guy. And I, I think, you know, as we roll out and start, the people who I already have here have kind of, they know my approach and I can, mm -hmm. I can know when to give them something and have a move with it when they need guidance, but I'm always involved. And then you just get the, the challenge is to continue to do that. And so when we, when we look for people, <clears throat> excuse me, I, the ideal person is someone who has, again, some consulting, possibly some time within an organization behind the scenes, see how things work. Um, but that's not critical. We, it's, it's, though that's a certain plus since we start with, then we also look for attitude. We look for, we try to assess, you know, goals. What do they want to live? They're looking for a job or a career yeah. because this is something that I've learned. It takes time to develop and it doesn't mean you have to give up. We're not saying don't have a life, have a life, <laughs> but are you looking for a job or a career? And, and so those types of folks are good. Someone that has, is someone who's introspective, uh, someone who likes to work in teams, someone who is willing to learn, uh, someone who can understand that, you know, listening is as important as communicating or, you know, speaking. And, and those are things that we just kind of do through the interview process. Oftentimes we bring on folks that are kind of known quantities. So they know someone who's already in the firm or someone else, and that makes it easier, but it's a, it's a challenge. It's really a mindset. We get the mindset in the right background. I, I'm pretty confident we can bring people up and make them pretty effective in a fairly short order. One of the things that I think is so cool about how you approach some of these deals and, you know, you've done several mergers and acquisitions, you know, over the last several years. But one of the things I think is is so neat to see and, and is not... Um, not always uh, typical of a consulting firm is you come in on the team. And, and what I mean by that is uh, you're working, you know, alongside the executive staff that has reached out and said, Hey, we think we've got this problem. You know, we're, we're trying to get into it or with the, with the board who says, Hey, we've just removed, you know, this leadership and, and we need it to be settled. And I think what's so interesting, and maybe you can speak, is it the team or is it your vision? about how you actually uh, empower the people that are there and give them an opportunity to level up versus saying, hey, we're just going to get rid of everybody and start fresh. No, that's a, a great question. <clears throat> I guess, you know, where's we're starting out. So necessarily I need to be involved. But in my whole career, I've always been kind of very hands-on partner. And my vision for Morningside is, you know, everybody works. Even if we, we will grow and there's never going to be the the. I used to laugh at the big four. There's tons of roles that are created that I'm sure they're doing 
good and they're doing a good job, but they're not really touching the client anymore. And in fact, when I initially got out of consulting, some of the things that I missed was that client touch. You know, as you move up and you start running an organization, you lose the opportunity to really touch the client. So I think that's something where we want to try to navigate. And as we build, whether it's myself, make new partners, bring on new partners, they're always hands on because it's not just the quality of service, the client that's, that gets better. And that's in fact it. It's touching back to what we just talked about, training the next level. They learn something from you. I, I have something to give, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and the way you impart that is through real life examples and working side by side. Um, now, to, to kind of the crux of your question as well is how do you do that and, you know, not kind of squash their growth, you know, like, you know, that you don't want a bunch of, you know, boy and girl Fridays out there. And, and that that's something you just learn over time. So it's like, I like to think about it like, and what I always tell them is like, I'm never going to hang anyone for a mistake. Mistakes are how we learn. And I truly mean that. Um, and I expect people to make mistakes. So I'm going to give people enough opportunity to make a decision. I've also learned over time, and this took a long time, just because someone approaches a problem differently doesn't make it worse. Sometimes it does, and that's where the training comes in, but a lot, sometimes it's just like, okay, so I learned stuff from my team being involved too, of more efficient ways to do things. I think by doing that, you kind of really give team members a chance to have the confidence to grow and knowing that sure. if they fail, they're not going to fail alone and that you're going to be there and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes uh, you have leaders that are in a spot where, uh, you know, they condone every, every failure. And I'm in agreement with you where you're like, Hey, that's the only way we're going to, you know, get better and learn from that. Because if you make the mistake once you're, you're, if you don't learn from it and get better and don't and make it again, well, that's on you. But if you yeah. learn from it and, you know, if you make other mistakes, it's like the adage of asking per permission or, or just begging for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Begging for forgiveness or asking permission. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and I, I totally agree. And it's funny. I think I, from my consulting, I started my family later um, on in life and, I kind of learned some stuff from consulting that probably helps me in parenting. And, you know, one thing, you know, that I impart to my kids the same way is like, you know, don't think you're never going to fail. And you are. And that's how sometimes your best learning comes from that. The question is, is, you know, do you repeatedly fail? Then you have to ask yourself, well, <laughs> am I doing the right thing? Right. And I say the same thing to my team members here. Yeah. Well, speaking of teams, uh, we had the opportunity to work together, you know, for a little while um, on a couple of different deals. What has made, you know, the Able Group, uh, you know, our team, you know, valuable asset to some of the projects that you work on? Yeah. If I think about, you know, the one I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> you guys were great because that was a company that had been growing at an accelerated pace, but really had never landed a national account. Of note, some super regionals. So your team getting involved was right around the time we were going after what I'll call like, you know, an elephant. So, and <clears throat> you were very helpful when I think about it is that you, you really helped us understand the voice of the customer. And this gets back to a concept I said earlier, you got to listen and you, and, and people think, you know, going in, we could have gone in there. We probably had a pre, conceived notion of what the customer wanted, but helped us better understand the voice of the customer, what do they want, and then translate that into how do we fit that? 
So it felt very natural. And it was funny, the customers, you know, I think we were a dark horse candidate to kind of win that customer. We ended up winning, I think, a surprise and shocked the industry. And candidly, that and then rinse, repeat on a couple others probably led us to get an outsized multiple uh, when we exited. So your group was a huge help in that. And it's not even just the how, you know, this is the kind of things we knew and helped translate the message, but it was also the structure you brought to the table that I think gave us the confidence that we could win it. And so that's some of it. If, if you're, if you're going to pitch some work, not only is it the pitch, but people have to see in your eyes that you actually feel like you can accomplish it. You can win it. You're here, deserve to be here and that you're going to win it. I think you guys were helpful in, in building that confidence through man, helping us manage the process. What? Appreciate those kind words. Um, you know, we're, we were thankful for the yeah, opportunity. We got, a, we got a pl- over 10 multiples, so it's easy yeah. to give kind words. And it was a huge piece <laughs> of the commercial successes we had right before we closed. Yeah, no, and it was a lot of fun to see uh, the, the culture internally shift, uh, you know, between uh, you coming on board, the couple of wins in a row, and then, you know, to, to see how, uh, you know, talking about what we did earlier, the team leveling up. Um, and all, you know, executing at a, at a much higher level than they'd previously uh, been required. So that was pretty exciting too. What yeah, do you yeah, see? Yeah. So what do you, you know, thinking about, you know, going back to the team dynamic for, for just a second um, and that particular team, you know, what it, it certainly had strengths um, and, and there were certainly uh, areas for, for improvement. Uh, you know, as you look forward, what are some of the things that you kind of identify as ways to, you know, augment the talent that's there and, you know, uh, when you come in and, and you're evaluating a deal and you see that talent and you're like, ah, you know, I'm going to give them a chance to try to get better. Yeah, no, and, and that, that's the that's the secret sauce. And I'd love to tell everyone how to do it, but it comes from experience. I mean, it really does. It's it's funny. There are, there are many, when, it, when we come in, so there's two major areas where we work. One is kind of mergers and acquisitions, divestitures, recapitalizations. And then the other is kind of what I call performance improvement, change, turnaround, all that stuff. And a lot of, it needs a lot of the same skills. So whether you're evalu- evaluating a new team that you're buying a company in, you need to get to that, those points that you're talking about, or you're trying to evaluate a situation like, how did we get here? Yeah. Why are we hitting against violating our covenants and our debt agreement when we think it's a good business? Because everyone loaned us the money, and they thought it was a great business, and all of a sudden, things haven't panned out to the thesis. Okay. So <clears throat> you got to get down the bottom of it. It's assessing management. And, and, and what, how do they approach it? And, and when I go through a process and, and kind of understand the situation, there's a lot of things I kind of self-assess of the management team that helped me figure out where we're at. So one of the things I think about is how entrepreneurial is their mindset when they, when they, when they run the business day to day. And this is whether or not they're an owner or not, because sometimes yeah. you have an owner who's a passive owner and then a management team. And if a management team doesn't have equity, but at least acts like their owners, that that's a positive thing. If they don't, you know, then they may have checked out and maybe that's part of your problem. So they're not seeing the red flags come up when they come up and they're blowing right through it. Uh, another thing we look at is invariably if we're in there now on the M&A side, it may be a little bit different, but on the performance turnaround, when, when things haven't gone as planned, how do they explain the reasons for that? Mm-hmm. Is it the 
unlucky, like what I call the unlucky explanation, you know, this happened, things outside of my control, which are very yeah. limited, or do they really talk about it like, well, when I look back, you know, we could have done this, but here's the action we've taken to kind of address it. So that, that, assesses, that helps us assess them. And then how quickly and uh, decisively do they act? It's kind of this, you ever hear this paralysis by analysis? Yes. You know, that, that, <laughs> that hits management teams, you know, and then uh, I think the last thing that we kind of look at is when they make, when they come to a decision, it's funny. I've had many conversations on new engagements that we get into and you can, two things you'll learn when you ask about how we ended up in the decision. One, there's three dis different decisions that, or more that people think they ended up at. That's a problem. Or two, they're not sure how they arrived at the decision, which oftentimes means that there's like a shadow decision team. They're very siloed or autocratic in making their decisions, which is bad too, because there's no reason to have a management team if you're not trying to come to a decision through a structured process to get to the best result. So those are the kind of things we look at outside of the just normal, tangible stuff that we do on the analysis side. And we just try to see, so we try to make an assessment. Oftentimes, you have, when you have bad situations, you can have legitimate exogenous factors that can't be dealt with. More often than not, it's kind of like good bones, bad management. So the thesis was there, the, the company's good, management's not optimal. On the M&A side, it could be, hey, it's more of a question of, less of a question of good bones, bad management. It's like, good bones, we want to do it. Let's prove that out. Now, can the manager take this where we want to go? Yeah, because we're not buying things just to do the same. We're buying things to to take it somewhere else, to yep. merge into our company, to add on. And is this a management team that can, can do that? You're you're, but you're assessing the same type of attributes. So you mentioned a couple of things there. You're talking about uh, management that is maybe checked out. There's some red flags, or a you know uh, owner that. Uh, is maybe a little bit more passive versus entrepreneurial. Um, thinking about it from you know the client side, what are some of the questions that that I'm asking myself before I approach you and and start asking Morningside to you know to come in and help? Yeah, I think if I was you know if I, if I was an owner and and we're underperforming. Um, the kind of questions that I would be asking myself is, you know, why am, why am I thinking about needing a consulting group to help me? Um, so let's assume you come to that decision. Then, then why do I think, what do I think is going on? And then how am I going to address that? And that really, you know, it sounds self-evident, but I think many times people don't try to get to this kind of concept of one source of truth. They, they kind of developed their view and then you ask the CFO and it's like, well, no, no, this is what's really going on. And you ask the head of sales, well, no, this is going on because they won't give me the funding I need. You know, <clears throat> so is there one source of truth there? I think if owners kind of who are having issues do that self-assessment and they realize there's a lot of different views, I think that's where we come in. You can be very effective. You know, oftentimes when we pitch something and I don't even like the word pitch, but let's say we pitch got to, we like active problems and talk yep. and talk people through what we think solutions are, and that how that shows how we, you know, how you can evaluate us, and and that's really shows an owner how we would approach a problem, and that's very different than than kind of 
going away and coming up with a solution, coming back and saying we have the answers. We'll tell you right off the bat, we don't have all the answers, but we do have the tools and skill set that we work with your team. We can collectively develop what is that one source of truth and then how we should move forward. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. It's funny. There are a lot of owners out there who know they have an issue, but as long as they have cash in the bank, they say sure. everything must be okay. And I've had, I've had CEOs say that to me and I've you know, had to say, listen, once you have a debt facility and a revolver, your cash level is completely irrelevant if they're not sweeping it anyways. Um, you know, and separately, I, I, I'm amazed that I've seen people who think the issue is X and it's really Y and they just don't see that. And it's something that, you know, your real problem, you know, a perfect example is, you know, involved with a business that thought for the last two years they made 12 million of EBITDA. And when you looked at it, you say, okay, but, but you made zero free cash flow. So that's a problem. Didn't know that problem. Problem not on the radar, not in the top 10, not in the top 20. And that's not because I'm super smart. It's just that we're just asking some of the questions that we weren't already going down a road of what the problems were and what, you know, what, what was going well wasn't. And we could come in with a fresh set of eyes. And that really triggered a lot of discussions of solutions that probably would have been triggered had we not had that. So it's just stuff like that. Yeah. But it's got to be tough when you when you have those hard conversations with the owner or the leadership and you're like, you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, they go through like stages of grief. <laughs> yeah. You hope they get to acceptance, but it's like denial. Then it's, anger certainly comes in there. I don't know what all the stages are, but it's kind of a similar thing. And <clears throat> listen, I always I don't want people to pay me to be your friend. I mean, I'm, I, I'm friends with a lot of my clients and I like that. And that's the relationship I want. At the end of the day, I got to tell you what my read is and we can disagree. And some of the best relationships I have, I've had kind of very professional knockdown drag outs of differences of opinions with, you know, just did it the other day with the private equity that we were uh, talking to about potentially working with. And we had different take and it was great. I mean, it's, it's great. And I think that's what you need. So it's challenging. You know, there's always that, you know, the fear that in the back of your mind that that you allow the 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 need to get an engagement or the desire to get an engagement clouds your view and and I think we keep that in the forefront of our brain because that we don't want that I'm I'd much yeah. rather pass on an engagement but give you my honest read and if I'm wrong so be it than to not tell you what you wanted to, what you need to do what you need to hear and then take an engagement because ultimately I'm not adding any value then. Well, what do they say? Most good friendships start because you're like, start. I thought you were an asshole when I met you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some so, of my best friends. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I understand that. So, you know, I know right now there's, um, uh, you know, Morningside, you've been doing some stuff, uh, you know, uh, for a little while, but you're really about to hang your shingle for the first time in the next uh, 30 days or so. What's next for you and the group? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I don't know how this happens, but you know, so we, we started Morningside in 2020, and but we only had we've only done very little because we didn't want to do a full launch with the pandemic. It's not an ideal time to launch a firm, but we had a lot of the team working in roles, just working for a company, so it kind of embedded roles. And that worked out really well. <laughs> and so now we're gonna do the big launch. And we're already seeing a lot of um, interest, which is funny because we haven't really even announced it. Our website's not even up yet, but we've had, right. like I mentioned, we just had someone who reached out and it's because I've worked with so many in the private equity space who reached out with an opportunity that we ended up you know, talking about pitching a bit 
And so I think that's encouraging when we tell the story, there's a lot of interest. There's interest from banks with, you know, uh, investments in their portfolio. There's interest from private equity, obviously M&A and, and just performance improvement related, and then from corporates. And um, so that that's encouraging. But the main thing we're looking to do is really that, that hiring and retention or hiring, I'm sorry, and training. And then obviously retention too. Yeah. We have the nucleus of a team and now we want to continue to augment and grow it. So that's what we'll be focusing on <clears throat> and not hiring just to hire, but really getting back to let's create a place where people like what they do. They like, they're energized by the work they do. They're energized by the people they work with. And they're really proud of the results they accomplish. And if we can accomplish that, everything else will take care of itself. They'll be engaged in learning. They'll be engaged in customer service. They'll be engaged in their personal lives and they'll get a lot of it. And so that's our focus as, as you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe somewhat cliche that that sounds like that's really what our focus is for this next years and probably through throughout our growth is how do we find those people who want to do that, who want to, to get what we do, who want to learn how to do it and really get a fulfilling professional um, relationship from being involved with us and our clients. Yep. That's awesome. Well, I'm certainly uh, thankful to have had the opportunity to work with you and continue working with you on, on certain things. Um, and this is a, this is a lot of fun. It is, it is. And I'm always impressed by the insights you bring. And, and sometimes the, the hard your messages about, Hey, this isn't very effective. Um, you know, it's like, so, uh, you know, as my little website launches, I'm sure I'll be asking you, I already had you give me some thoughts on my deck a while back from website launches. I'll be having you, uh, you know, take a you know view of things and give me your thoughts. And, and, and that's, you know, that's great to have those kind of relationships back and forth where we can lever, you know, each other about, Hey, is this working? Is this not working? What do you think about that? Well, going back to the having hard conversations, you and I have certainly had them uh, over the years. And, um, yeah. you know, you and Janae are, are a good partnership there, too, because I've been witness to some of those knockdown drag outs as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. Even even mom and mom, I always tell the, the, the mom and dad still, you know, we fight once in a while, but we still love each other. So, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like I joke with I don't know if Janae's mom and I'm dad or vice versa. It's probably a little bit of both. But, you know, that that's what makes a healthy relationship. And um, and it's the just the incredibly deep respect that that I have for him. And he has for me. And that's the same kind of you're in my relationship. I mean, I have so much respect for what you and your group bring to the table and um and hopefully the same way as the other way yeah, so it, it makes it, it it allows for an environment of candor um and you know just safe to speak your mind those are the kind of relationships i want with clients those are the kind of relationships i want with my team yeah my, one of my favorite quotes is i always told my team i don't mind looking stupid in front of you but don't let me look stupid in front of the client because you won't speak your mind so you know feel free yeah it's that it's that openness, it's that candor. When people, it's just amazing when you empower people and when you have that mutual respect there. That uh, you know all the positive things that come out of it. Absolutely. Well, we should definitely do this once you get launched and right and and into the thick of things in a few months. So this uh, be, I, I think you might be a regular guest here. That'd be wonderful. I'd be happy to do it. And uh, I'll let you know when the site comes up, so you can tell me tell me what you think. I always enjoy. All right. Sounds good. You have been listening to the Inspectations podcast. On behalf of your host, Justin Starbird, and our guests today, 
Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Inspectations podcast, our guest, or the Abley Group, please visit us at www.ablegroup.com. Be sure to keep inspecting what you are expecting.